Hello and welcome to episode 50. Wow! right? Episode 50. I'm Rebecca Saltzman from Balagan Begon, and this is Journey to Organization. Um, wow, 50 episodes, that's amazing. Um, okay, so in honor of Pesach coming, approaching, don't be scared. I know I've gotten so much chizuk from a lot of you that you're not scared about Pesach and that it is already more calm and relaxing. Um, but in honor of Pesach, I want to do some housekeeping on the voicemails. <laughs> so um, I'm going to try to do my best to answer all the outstanding questions that I have. I have about uh, oh, four pages of questions here that I'm going to try to answer. Some of them is just a uh, chizuk that we're enjoying. Um, I know that there was an issue last week with episode 49. I hope that it's fixed. I'm... I've discussed it, <laughs> so I hope that it. Uh, I hope that it will all be okay. Um, okay, so one lady called me and said that she loves hearing uh, <laughs> the after parts of my stories, um, and a lot of ladies told me that they really liked the part of episode forty-nine that they did hear. So um, thank you for letting me know. It's always nice to know uh, what you do like hearing and what you don't like hearing. Um, as long as which, if you don't like it, you are respectful about the way you tell me, I'm totally open to comments and criticism. Okay, so here we go. You ready? I'm gonna try to talk as fast as I can so I could get it all in. SD wants to say thank you. She just cleaned out her closet of pants that were ripped at the knee and heard the story about making them uh, into shorts and she pulled them out of the trash can, <laughs> which by the way, you should have recycled them in the first place, but she pulled them out of the trash can and now her boys have uh, shorts for the summer and she has a whole summer wardrobe for her kids and it didn't uh, cost her anything. So, kola kavod. She is a fan of disposables but has slowly stopped using them. Also, Kola Kavod, good job. Okay, Leah from Lakewood enjoys the sessions and was disappointed when I didn't have a session, so I'm sorry. I'm doing my best to try to keep updated every week. Um, and she bought the hangers from Bed Bath & Beyond, and she loved them. I'm so glad. Okay, Dini says thank you. She got the robots for the floors. She actually got the iRobot. She got the... Um, the scrubber, the mopper, I don't know what it's, what they actually call it or what the model number is. Um, and she says she loves it and it comes with disposable pads, but you can get washable ones. Um, and she ordered the washable ones. So good for you, Deanie. Um, she loves that because she doesn't have to throw it away. Uh, and she washes them and she has stopped using disposables in general. So Deanie, also, kola kavod. All right. Okay, Dini called again, <laughs> and she told me about deodorant that she um, makes that really works. She said it's six tablespoons of coconut oil, a quarter cup of cornstarch, and a quarter cup of baking soda. Mix it together and smear it, uh, smear it, smear it on your underarms. Um, she said that she also. Heard that the Himalayan rock salt that comes in a plastic container is also very good. I've used that before. If the rock breaks, you know, you're kind of up the creek because it's not really usable. If it breaks, it's, or it's difficult to use. Um, and also, it still comes in plastic. But if you finish up an old deodorant roll-on, you can just wash it out 
and make the deodorant with the coconut oil, the cornstarch, and the baking soda. And you can, um, you can, what can you do? Right, you can put it in the plastic and shape it, and then it will work as if it's like a regular deodorant, and then you don't have to smear it on and get it all over your hand. Um, I guess, actually, that recipe is kidney oat, so theoretically it would be okay for... Um, for Pesach, I don't actually know if there's any issues with putting kidney oat on your skin. Is it just ingesting kidney oat? I, I really don't know. I'll have to look into that a little bit more. But okay, thank you, Dini, for that suggestion. Okay, a lady called and said thank you that she um, loved that I said that some things are bonuses <laughs> that not everything has to be clean that you can make a list of bonus cleaning and um i'm so glad that that's uh that that happened for you and that it's helping you along so remember that spring cleaning is not pesach cleaning and that things like the windows and the chandeliers or the fireplace or whatever is a bonus. Now, I have to tell you that every year I um, spring and have my cart, my rugs and my sofa professionally cleaned. And um, I totally think it's worth it. To me, that's not a bonus. There's totally um, like ground in, I'm sure, chametz in my sofa. <laughs> Maybe not so much in my carpets because they're upstairs in the bedrooms and the kids really don't eat in the bedrooms. But, you know, you never know like what you track in. And I figure like, okay, it's one time a year where we could really um, get it clean and they smell nice and clean. And I even said to the guy, if I had the money, I would have you come like every month and have the carpets cleaned <laughs> because it's just such a nice like feeling. And it feels like good that we're taking care of them when, when they're getting clean. But anyway, I don't consider the sofa or carpets really a bonus. Um, before Pesach, because I do Ha'agala on my, um, on my knives, um, I always have them sharpened so they're nice and ready for Pesach. And to me, those things are not bonuses. To me, those things are important uh, to do because, well, you know, they make my chag a lot more enjoyable. Plus, outsourcing those things is better. I don't have to do them myself. So I try to outsource as much as I can getting ready for Pesach. Um, my husband definitely shares the burden with me. And, uh, you know, so does the cleaner, which is great. Um, okay. Miriam... Does her notebook after Pesach, she takes an accounting of the whole Chag, of the whole holiday, and she knows, um, you know, sort of what she needs, but she loves that she has the ability to check what she needs. So if you still want to download um, my Pesach guide, it's still on my website, balaganbegon.com, or you can email me directly and I'll have it sent to you, Rebecca, R-E-B-E-K-A-H at balaganbegon.com. Um, and you know, I'll send it out to you. A lot of, I got a few emails from some husbands asking for their wives. That's totally fine. I'm happy if you ask your husband to email me, I'll totally, uh, send, send it to him if that's easier for you. Um, but I love, love, love hearing from all the ladies who did email me. So thank you so much for that. Um, Tranny from, I don't know where she's from. I don't know. She didn't say. Thank you for the lectures. The first time she, it was the first time she listened. She loved the talk about decluttering. I think this was for episode like 48. She had left this after 48. Um, 
She would love to empty her house. She has small kids, and she she doesn't think. Uh, wait, what did I write here? She wasn't sure if decluttering was doing the right thing, but after she started doing it, she said she feels so much better. That's amazing. I mean, ladies, I don't want you to forget the relief you get from having less and how much better your life is when you actually have less. It's so much um, better. And I don't know, it just makes everything in general so much easier to deal with. Um, Fagy from Lakewood called me about Pierre Cavot. Fagy, I am looking into this more and then I will be happy to... Um, discuss it with everybody but thank you so much for calling me back and um, giving me the source I really appreciate it okay so a lady was listening to last year's sessions about Pesach and she said she has a good tip she said um, when you have to empty out cabinets you overload other cabinets and then after Pesach you have to reorganize two cabinets. So you should take a box and fill it with all the things you aren't using and put it away in the corner. And then when you unpack after Pesach, you only have to really do one um, box. That's a good tip if you have some place to store the box. Um, for example, a good place to store it would be wherever you store your Pesach items. But what I think is really key here is that now, right now, it's, you know, what's today's date? It's like 15 days till Pesach, I think, right? Right this minute, less, less than 15 days till Pesach. Yeah, 15 days till Pesach, okay? Approximately, depending on when you're listening to this. Now is the time to start using up your food reserves so you don't have to transfer them from one cabinet to the other. Use up your spices, use up your, all of your dry rice and legumes and all those kind of things that you're not eating on Pesach. Use up the popcorn. Use them up. Don't keep, don't keep going shopping. Shop for Pesach items. That's okay. But use up what you have. I know that you all have pantries full of food. Please use up what you have because it's going to make combining cabinets so much easier and and not only that but you'll get to start fresh after Pesach and like it's a nice feeling to know that your food isn't really more than a year old and I think I think that's really the secret as to why Hashem gives us Pesach because he wants us to know how old our food is he doesn't want us to stockpile it forever and ever and ever and ever he really wants us to know like okay it's okay you don't have to stockpile I once heard this story, I don't know if it's uh, relative, relevant, but um, I don't know, it always makes me think of, think of, of this when people hoard food is, is that when the Jewish people were in the desert, um, they asked God to, you know, give them, or God gave them the man the, um, to, to satisfy them, to feed them, right? And we know that the man went bad if people took more than their allotted portions, more than what they were supposed to have. And like, I feel like it's a very big lack of faith to sort of hoard food, thinking that you won't have enough, you know, when you need it. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't keep like an earthquake kit if you live in an earthquake zone or like, during the winter season in a lot of the northeastern states, you know, um, Massachusetts and New York and those kind of places or in, or in England, 
when, you know, they're subject to snowstorms or Illinois even, when there's snowstorms in abundance that you shouldn't keep food in an emergency in case you can't go out of the house. But the spring is coming and we can get more food at this point. And so we should try to use up what we have before Pesach. You can go ahead and stock up again after Pesach. But why go through the trouble of like selling all the extra chametz? And I mean, okay, you're selling your chametz anyways, but why not use them up? Why spend the money buying so much extra food like that's regular to eat now before the hug, before the holiday starts, when you can really um, use up what you have and save the money? See, the thing to me is that. In, during Pesach, for Pesach shopping, I definitely spend more money for eight days of Pesach than I do regularly. My kids are home. They're definitely eating more food. Um, not to mention, are they home before, during Pesach? But okay, I don't know why, but in Israel, the Pesach lasts 17 days or something like that. It's crazy because the kids have off a whole week from school before. So I have all this money that I'm spending on food the week before Pesach plus the week of Pesach and I have to buy all new things. I can't use the same olive oil I used from, from the week before Chamit. So I'm buying all new things and okay, sure, whatever's left over, you know, I'll use after Pesach, that's fine. But the point is, is that why not give myself the savings of using up everything I have in reserve and then restocking it after I can, you know, recover from the financial expense of Pesach? It just makes financial sense. It makes organizational sense. It makes sense for your sanity. Why, why be hard on yourself? Okay, so... Um, Esty from Brooklyn wants to know how to wash pillows. Esty, that totally depends on what the filling is. If they're down, I think if they're down, you should take them to the dry cleaners. If, <clears throat> excuse me, if they're synthetic, you can wash them in the washing machine. Make sure you spin them on a very fast cycle so they're very, very like close to being dry and then dry them on the highest cycle you can. Um, for uh, to, and make sure they're really, really thoroughly dry so they don't get mold. And when you dry them, put in some tennis balls or some dryer balls with them so it redistributes the fluff. In the future, I suggest so that you can avoid needing to wash your pillows, you get um, the bed bug covers for your pillowcases because not to protect necessarily from bed bugs, but those are completely like totally sealed off and um, they repel a lot of germs and dust and stuff. So they're really, really good repellers of, you know, whatever. And they make needing to wash your pillows a lot less frequent. Um, I know, okay, so these calls were about 49 and how it stopped. So I already addressed that. Um, a lady called me after, or I got the message after Purim and said, can I give Purim ideas for the Purim Suda? So I hope that you got some ideas from me um, before. I hope you heard the before part of my Purim Suda uh, lectures. Um, Ita lives in Israel and she has a small apartment and she has a small sink outside. 
of her bathroom. That is really, really common in Israel to have sort of like a toilet and then have a sink right outside the toilet. Um, and she said, what can we do about towels? Because they sort of, um, you know, get, they get wet or whatever, they fall down. So I don't know if you have the room for this, Ita, but I actually have a clean and a dirty box. In the clean box, I have, I have on, a sh on a shelf in my bathroom a small box that I got at Ikea, a wooden box, and I um, did like a transfer uh, artwork project on it, um, and I wrote clean, and, and then I have a second one next to it or underneath it on another shelf that says dirty, and then you take the little washcloths. I have like a bunch of white washcloths. I leave them rolled up in the bin, and then when you take it and you put it in underneath, um, it's, it's the dirty one, and you know, it's a really great system. We, we only do that in the guest bathroom. Upstairs, the kids just sort of use their pants. It's gross, but whatever. Um, and that seems to work really well for us. If that's not working for me, for you, it's hard for me to say. Uh, if you could send me a picture of the area, I'd be happy to um, look at it and give you my thoughts. But um, basically, what I think would be a really great idea for you is a towel bar. Or if you can, um, if you have a towel bar that sort of goes has an open side, like it's really popular here in the toilet paper holders where both sides are not attached to a wall. You just sort of slide the roll of paper on. Um, if you could get a towel rack that has an open side on it, because then you could sew two sides of the towel together and make sort of like an infinity loop where the towel is less likely to just sort of fall down because it gets pushed off to a, to the heavier side. That's a frequent problem in my house. Um, but with the infinity loop, I think that that could really solve your problem if you have some sort of bar there, um, or even just a hook, I think that would help if you had the infinity loop because it makes the towel more balanced. Um, okay, Chava from Brooklyn called and said, thank you for all the lectures. She really cleaned out a lot. She did the kids' rooms, and now it takes five minutes to clean up because there's so much less. She said that everything has a home, but the biggest issue that she has still is getting her kids to not eat all over the house. I think that um, if you give the kids a strong punishment for eating all over the house, they'll stop doing it. Um, when I see my kids eating in places they're not allowed to eat, I give them the vacuum and tell them to start vacuuming. They don't like that very much, so they stop eating where I don't want them to eat. Um, Devori doesn't usually listen, but she loved 48. Thank you. I'm glad you listened. She was worried about getting ready for Purim, and it happened to be relative to her, so I'm so glad I was, that was helpful. Um, somebody else calls and said, thank you. She listens all the time because of what I've been saying. Her kids got birthday money, and this time, instead of a toy, they went on an experience to a play area, and it was really fun, and she didn't have to bring home another toy that nobody is using. What a really great use of a gift. Thank you so much for sharing that. Okay. Um, do I have any chizuk for a husband, for a wife whose husband is a real hoarder, but he can't, he can't let things go. Do I have any words of wisdom? 
Um, if he really can't let things go, then you need to get him some help. You need to get him to a psychiatrist. Hoarding is a real problem. It is recognized by the American Psychiatric Association um, as a mental disorder. If it's really, really real hoarding, then you need to get some help or it's very possible that you could end up after, you know, a couple of years being buried alive in your house. If it's just that he's a pack rat, still he could get some help for that. There is usually um, an emotional component to, to being a pack rat. Being a pack rat isn't as bad as being a hoarder. People who are hoarders keep their trash. That's really what it is. Um, I just finished reading a really, really interesting book. I think I've spoken about it before. I've, I actually read the first part of it like four times, but I actually got to the end this time because um, I go back and like start it from the beginning each time because like I want to go back and remember what I read the first time. Anyway, um, it's called Garbology. It's by Edward Humes. It's a little bit old. It was published, I think, in 2012. Um, but he actually talks about the history of garbage, which might not be interesting to a lot of you, but it actually is really, really interesting. There was a... You know what? Hang on. I'm going to pause the recording, and I'm going to go get the, the book. One second. Okay, so I found it. I'm just going to read you a small excerpt from this book. Um, okay, let's see. Where do we start from? This phenomenon has not yet been achieved. Has not yet achieved true immortality as a distinct mental illness. The Bible of Psychi Psychiatry, the Diagnostics and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which, by the way, I believe that this is not true anymore. This, like I said, it was published in 2012. Anyways, categorizes extreme hoarding as merely one of the many forms of the catch-all obsessive disorder compulsive disorder, although some experts are lobbying to have it classified as its own unique ailment, ailment, dysphosophobia. The proposed malady is alternatively known as Collier Brothers Syndrome, named for one of the earliest and most dramatic manifestations of media immortalized trash hoarding. Homer and Langley Collier, rich and reclusive, rebelled early in the 20th century against the still-evolving practice of mandatory municipal garbage collection in New York City. They turned their multi-story brownstone into a crammed and putrefying museum of trash, featuring endless piles and rows of newspapers, bottles, boxes, broken ga gadgetry. Langley Collier fancied himself as an inventor and a, per and a partially buried Model T Ford, that's a truck, hidden on the second floor beneath layers of debris. The brothers were found dead in their home in 1947. Langley had been crushed by a collapsing tunnel of trash and his invalid older brother Homer, helpless without Langley's care, died later of thirst and starvation. Authorities eventually removed about 130 tons of trash from the brother's home. Okay? That's true hoarding when you have 130 tons of trash. First of all, I just want to say that in 2018, um, that's an enormous amount of trash considering that most people are making seven pounds, which comes out to 102 tons of trash. They removed 130 tons of trash from the brothers' homes, right? This was in 1947, okay? So this was way before we had as much packaging as we do today. I mean, there was much less packaging. Um, so you have to imagine 
how much trash they had. I mean, okay, they did have part of a truck in their house, so that probably com contributed to part of the problem. But that is real hoarding. When you have 130 tons of trash in your house, if you don't have 130 tons of trash in your house, you do not you're not hoarding. You may be a pack rat, but you're not hoarding. So I just want to I want to make the distinction I want to make the distinction between hoarding and being a pack rat because there is a difference. There's a difference between it's hard for me to let go of something versus I absolutely cannot let go of something that every single person who is sane on this earth will classify as garbage. It's completely wasted. Now, I'm not talking about things that are, you know, recyclable. I'm saying I, I'm talking about things that are like trash. People are, who are hoarders usually have real trash. Um, old food, mostly old food, old food containers, um, newspapers, which could be going to the recycling, but there's no need to keep them anymore. They're past their useful life. Why do you need a newspaper that's 30 years old? The news is clearly not current. So I want to say that if your husband is getting you and your family to the point where you're on track to have 130 tons of trash sitting in your home, then yes, it's a psychological disorder and you need to get help for him. If you are at the point where you could still move around your house and function, it's just a little bit crowded because he likes to save things, that's different. But nevertheless, it's still something you can get help for. Now, I want to just say I am not a therapist. Um, I'm not a psychiatrist. So I don't want to give any like specific diagnoses of anybody or anything. But what I do want to say is that if you're holding on to things, if you're worried, getting help for that is okay. And pushing your husbands to get help if that's a problem, or if you yourself have that problem, or if one of your children has that problem, there's really no shame in seeking help for the worry. Now, what I will say to you is, I think that a lot of the worry comes from a lack of faith. And when we can strengthen our faith and say, you know, Hashem, I believe in Hashem, but Hashem or the universe or karma or whoever, um, when we can strengthen our faith and say, we will always have what we need, it's a lot easier to let those things go. So... I think that if your husband is a real true hoarder, and even if he's not, encourage him to get some help because that's really the thing that will give him the most strength to let go of things. Um, if the problem isn't worry, if he genuinely thinks, you know, everything is useful again, and, you know, he likes to tinker and recycle things and do that kind of thing. That's a slightly different issue because um, waste not, want not. I totally get that ethic. Uh, at the same time, you're going to have to set some limits as to what is acceptable and what is not. And it's possible to recycle a lot of the things that we are tinkering with in our homes and trying to hold out for repairs on. So please encourage your husbands 
to get help, please encourage your sisters, your mothers, um, and feel okay with getting yourself help if you need it. And encourage other people in your life who you think may need help to get help because it's imperative to get some help. Um, the other thing that I think is um, imperative is that if both of you together work with a personal organizer, somebody who can um, go through and really sort, you need to look for somebody who is really truly patient and who really truly understands the need to empathize with someone who worries if worry is his problem. Okay, so this is the last question. Um, it's about brooms. Do, uh, what do I recommend um, and how often do I change my broom? So um, that's a great question, I think. I go a really long time in between changing my brooms. In general, I don't really like to sweep. I prefer to pull out my vacuum and just vacuum the floor. I find it a lot easier, especially here in Israel where there's so much dust coming in. It's a really hard. Okay, so when I sweep, it really bothers me that that line of dust that didn't get into the dustpan is like still sitting on my floor. It drives me bonkers. So I like to vacuum the floor. I don't use the broom so much. Uh, my husband prefers to sweep to using the vacuum and then what he does is he vacuums up like everything that he swept. Like he leaves the pile in the middle and then just vacuums it up. Fine, whatever, different strokes. I would say we change our... our um, our, our broom three to four years, maybe five. It's time to change your broom when the bristles, you know, are all broken off and bent. Um, I have had really much better experiences with natural hair brooms. I like them a lot better than the plastic ones. I find the plastic um, bristles, um, crack or break or push down a lot easier than the natural hair bristles. I also kind of prefer the more industrial looking brooms, the ones with like the longer head, like the square heads. Um, in Israel, it's really easy to just buy the head and screw on the handle so you don't always have to buy both parts new. Um, it's, it's not so easy to do that in the US. I don't know what it's like to do that in England. Um, so people, ladies in England, please feel free to call me um, and let me know. Um, but it's a great question. And I encourage you to use natural brooms with wooden handles also. Um, I, I do that in my house. Anyway, okay, so I did it. I answered all the outstanding questions. I even checked my voicemail right before. Um, there weren't so many. I totally understand. Everybody's super, super busy. Um, and that's cool. I'm down with that. Um, definitely you should focus on getting ready for Pesach. If you have any questions specific to Pesach, please do not hesitate to leave me a voicemail. If you still want my Pesach workbook, please do not hesitate to send me an email. Um, or just go to my website directly and download the Pesach guide. Uh, for those of you who are interested and who do use the internet, my next class of Conquer Your Clutter is coming out April 15th, it's starting April 15th. If you want to register for that, um, you can go to RebeccaSaltzman.com and register for it. If you want to do the challenge, um, I'm still working out a way to do those challenges. 
Uh, I'm getting pretty close to figuring out how to do them, but I still have some kinks to work through. So if you would like to do the challenge course after Pesach, please um, leave me a voicemail with your phone number and um, Bezras Hashem, I'll get back to you. Okay, everybody. I um, really love chatting with all of you. I love when you call me and leave me voice messages and tell me your success uh, on this journey to organization. I love it. It really makes my day. Uh, so what I want to do is I want to wish you all happy organizing for Pesach in particular. And I want to remind you now more than ever that it is imperative to remind yourself and repeat as a mantra to yourself, Hashem keeps me organized. Hashem keeps me organized. Hashem keeps me organized. It's so important now more than ever because Pesach is a stressful time and we're so concerned that, you know, maybe we'll have one tiny little speck of weed in our house and we're so concerned it's a big deal and I totally get it but if you have faith that it will be okay and just take it one thing at a time and go slow and be deliberate about all of your actions it's going to be a lot easier to make it happen and you're going to enjoy Pesach so much more please 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 do not forget to breathe. Remember when you feel stressed out to take some deep breaths in for four, out through, in through your nose for four, out through your mouth for four. Just like that. It's really important to remember to do that and to really spend some time imagining how you want to sit down at the Pesach Seder how you want it to look and remember that that's your goal. Your goal isn't to just be yelling at your kids the whole time. I know that they'll probably get on your nerves. My kids will probably get on my nerves uh, because they're not going to want to help or they're not going to do something or they're going to want to eat more food or they're going to yell that there's not enough food or mommy, we're hungry or mommy, we're bored. And I'm going to yell at the teachers for, you know, demanding that they take off eight days before Pesach just crazy. And this year in Israel, we have eight days of Pesach too. And it's funny because my mom, this is just a side note. My mom said to me, why don't you come home for Pesach? And I said, well, I don't um, really want to have two seders. And my father said to me, but it's the same way. All everybody in the whole world is celebrating eight days this year. And I'm like, I know, but there's five days of Cholomoid here or six days of Cholomoid here. And no, five, right? Shanta starts again Friday night. Um, you get like a real full week to do stuff and like it's nice and I don't know. I find Pesach in Israel to be uh, very enjoyable. The weather's very pleasant. You can do nice things. Uh, it's just a nice family time. And, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe, maybe, who knows what will happen. Anyway, Please, ladies, remember to breathe. Remember to say your mantra. Hashem keeps me organized. And good luck. And keep me posted on your progress and your success and your questions. I will speak to you all, God willing, next week.